0: Last time on Voices for Justice, we took a break from the timeline and heard the first half of an interview with Alyssa's biological father, Stephen Strom, and his wife, Karen. We discussed Alyssa's early childhood until Alyssa was adopted by our father, Michael Turney, at about two and a half years old. We discussed the adoption, the story of him supposedly attempting to run my father over with a car, and more. So if you haven't listened to part one, definitely go back and listen to that before this episode. All right, let's jump right back into my interview with Alyssa's biological father, Steven Strom. I want to talk about my hesitation in having you on, which we've talked about, you know, um we had a phone call in December of 20, you know, 19 where you asked to come on the podcast. You said I want to come and I want to tell my story, and I said, "Okay, we can do that." But I want to talk about it all, um, which I was specifically referring to, you know, you brought it up that, that my dad always said that you were a violent man, mm-hmm. that you weren't a good guy. You know, I heard these stories of you trying to run him over with a car. You know, I have this picture right here of you that my dad says, oh, that was Steve when he was in prison. Um, and then, you know, I think the the most damning of it, of it all is is my brothers and what my brothers say, because I can believe all day that what my dad says is is bullshit. You know, I can – I have all these examples of knowing that he lied to me. Um, but when it comes to my brothers, that's when it's different, right? So like James, um, you know, he was, I think, 13 or 14 when he says that he remembers that the car almost hitting my dad. I think he says he was on like the roof of our house or whatever. Um, and, you know, that could be a child just seeing it and maybe you drove really close to him or whatever. It, and we don't have to debate it here, but I did want to bring up why I was hesitant. Um, and it was that combined with John. Right, mostly John, yeah. and how John says that he remembers being abused, and so in my mind, you know, I, that scares me, and it it made me really hesitant to let you come on here and tell your story. And there's also a, a huge part of me that feels like, what would Alyssa do? How would Alyssa feel? How do I best? respect Alyssa, and it's not that she wouldn't love you or not care about you but i think you know her first question would be would be Braddy, right like any any teenage girl that doesn't have their father in their lives that all of a sudden comes back in there's a little bit of that angst right it's oh, like yeah. where were you what why happened you yeah. so i feel that too i feel that for her i feel all these things um but then of course we've gotten close hmm. we've gotten close but that that's why i was hesitant um and I don't know if you want to say anything about what I heard growing up. You don't have to, but I did want to state that for the record. That's why I didn't have you on originally. That's why in the podcast you'll hear me say, basically, you know, that Alyssa was adopted, and that you weren't her life, and I leave it very simply at that.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I'd like to respond to it, and you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna start with this picture that you have of me, yeah. sitting with my hands against the fence at a playground. Where I took John over to play on the on the swing sets and stuff, and I was sitting there, and Barbara took a picture of me. I was pretty young; I think I was twenty seven there. Yeah, and so or somewhere like that, and uh, it was just a, that was just a simple thing. It was over at the playground, and that's all that was. So I have to laugh at that because he you, only only Mike would use this as a thing to say that <laughs> I was in prison. And
0: we'll put the picture online so yeah, you guys can see hilarious. it. It's
1: hilarious. I mean, you know, uh, so I, I get a kick out of that. As far as John is concerned, um, John hit his mother when he was little, and I had to step in and I had to say no hitting, but I never laid my hand on John ever and spanked him ever. What He, he left me when he was seven years old. I'm going to tell you uh, the only time that I saw John after that was that I was uh, showing up at, I mean, I was driving down their road and going to the shopping, uh, uh, going shopping at a grocery store. He showed up. I saw him in the parking lot as I drove in. He was driving on his bicycle with two other boys. I don't know if it was friends or brothers. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they were on a bicycle because I didn't know the kids. I didn't know the boys at all. So what happened was he, they drove up. John saw me. He got off his bike. He ran over. Daddy, daddy, daddy! And I gave him a big hug and I said, "What's up, buddy?" And he goes, uh, we're just riding our bike over here to get something, pop or something. I don't know what they were going to do. They were yeah. riding bikes. And, he, and I said, so what's going on with you? And he said, oh, nothing. And I said, are, you, are everything going fine? Or are you being a good boy? He said, yeah. And I gave him another big hug, and he gave me a big hug, and I said, well, I'll see you soon again. And that was it. Yeah. And John was seven at that time. And uh, seven or eight, because it was a while after we separated. Yeah. So I can't remember exactly what he was, but John, I can tell you right now that Mike is a person that plants things in people to make other people look bad. Sure. And I think that Mike planted this seed in John's uh, ear that I abused him. But if you ask any of my friends that were around at the time, they can tell you that I love John like he was my own. And I did things with him. We went out on doom buggies. We went out in three wheelers. We did stuff together. Now, was I his father and not his friend? Yes. So I would, I reprimand him, but I, you didn't have to reprimand John. He melted and he probably still does. He's probably got that personality. He melted. You just have to say something to him like, you better cool or you better stop. And he'd stop it. Yeah. You didn't need its bank, John. He wasn't that type. So I think his, his, I don't think Barbara would do that. I knew Barbara well enough that she wouldn't plant something false in him, but I think Mike planted into him from the time he was seven that I abused him and that's why I'm not. Taking him he also said why didn't you take him why didn't you adopt him when he was and we already talked about that of why i wouldn't adopt him when right. was because of his own real father right it had nothing to do with anything but that if later on down the road if john said to me i want you to adopt me and he came to me i would do it i've done it yeah but i think he needed to know his real father but he didn't get to see his real father So that was disheartening, too. And I'm sure that John suffers from a lot of problems from his father, John, then me, and then dealing with this thing.
0: When you mentioned the adoption thing, which comes from an excerpt that I sent you from um, one of my dad's letters from prison. So this is gosh, how many, like, 20-something years later that he's still talking about you. And, and what I find interesting is that he, like, implanted it in me. Like, I wasn't even born when you were around, yet I still have all these stories that I, like, inherited from you. Um, so I want to read that excerpt really no, quick that ahead. I sent you. Um, again, this is from my dad in prison. Um, and his, his handwriting is so bad, so it takes a little bit to read. Um, and I don't know everything he's referencing. I'm just reading it. So um, the letter from prison says, It is good John is getting involved in Steve's lies. This is the way he acted when he called me after I married your mom. He was quick-tempered and very intimidating for your mom until that last night when she attacked him, slapping him because he brought Alyssa and John home drunk and told John that he did not love him or and he was not his son. Um, one thing you might want to bring up was that he was, oh, that he was married to your mom for five years, but never adopted John. I was married to your mom for less than a year and I adopted Alyssa and John.
1: Well, again, that's Mike. Yeah. That's, that's the true Mike Turney coming out. He lies about things to make himself look good and everybody else look bad. So the whole thing comes down to is, is that I never abused John, I never abused Barbara, I never abused Alyssa, and I have lots of friends that lived with us around in the neighborhood where that still live in that neighborhood that I come and visit and know, and they know the truth. Yeah. So... Mike will say anything that makes it make him look like a big big boy, a big guy, and me to look bad. But it's not just me; he does that about. He does that about everybody. He's yeah. his own worst enemy.
0: Yeah, I mean, he accuses my oldest brother Rhett of planting the bombs in the house and forging this manifesto. Yeah. He literally says, you know, my my son can do can whatever recreate my handwriting, and that he was in the house. So it's. It's really insane. I,
1: I, I, it would bother me, except for it's so laughable right. to hear Mike speak, because I never spoke to Mike. Why would I speak to Mike? Why yeah. would I have anything to speak <laughs> oh, to him about no at all? I would, my, uh, I would Barbara, but I didn't even need to speak to her, because by the time I left and then he adopted her and all this happened, it was like beyond that. Yeah. There was no reason at all.
0: This episode of Voices for Justice is brought to you by June's Journey. I'm pretty sure everyone here loves a good mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey. You get to step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. You engage your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. So what does that mean? Well, June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game. Essentially, you find hidden clues and uncover this mystery. But it's also more than that. You can customize your own luxurious estate island, you can join a detective club, and put your skills to the test in a detective league. I like that you can play totally alone, or if you wanna play with other people, you can do that too. I find myself playing June's Journey in little breaks during the day, or most frequently at night before I go to bed. Whether you're craving a good mystery or just looking for an escape, I really do recommend June's Journey. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. So one of the things that I brought up is that um, I've been told that you had plenty of money, you know, when it comes to the adoption fees or, you know, that legal battle that would cost upwards of $50,000. When I spoke to my mother's friends about that, they said, really? Because Steve had plenty of money.
1: I don't know where they got this from, but when we moved here, I think we had $9,000 in the bank when we moved to Phoenix, Barbara and John and I. Right. And that all went for rent for a long time. And we, I had a little business that would paint, um, uh, sign business that Willie really was not doing that good. Uh, I mean, it was okay, but it didn't good. And that was when Barbara went back to why she went back to work because it wasn't doing good. Sure. And so she went back to work. Um, uh, and my house went into foreclosure Yeah. because I couldn't, I couldn't afford to pay for it by myself. And some of it was that I didn't care anymore. I mean, that's honest. I didn't care anymore about, about material things. Yeah. I only cared about my daughter at that point and John and John too. Yeah, I always thought about John. I have my whole life and it's too bad that John hates me the way he does now because I still love him, but I'm not going to push myself on John. If he wants to believe that what Michael told him, he can believe it. Yeah. That's, that's fine. Uh, because I'm a big boy and I can take it. And, and I was not perfect in this situation. I was part of of Barbara and I um, breaking up, but I didn't have an affair on Barbara. She had one on me. Right. So.
0: I think people probably just hear house in Malibu. They hear about a Corvette and they think money. I know. But that could mean that you were, you know, I I see it all the time in Scottsdale. You know, people are driving $60,000 cars, but what people don't realize is that maybe that is everything they actually have in the bank is trying to make that payment. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, It was, it was pretty much that way. The house we were building in Malibu was, um, I was building it for a friend of mine. And so with a friend of mine, and it ended up, it was, it was back when the interest rate was 21%. So we ended up losing that.
0: Goodness gracious. Only I
1: got lucky and got $9,000 out of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I worked a whole year for $9,000. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) And then we had the Corvette and we took and turned the Corvette in when we left, uh, California and drove my old red international harvester truck
0: <laughs> with
1: a trailer to uh to phoenix to to start our new life yeah so you know it's just it's comical the way things people perceive things and the way they see it we we never had money i can tell you one thing i i i really do think that mike schmoozed her barbara
0: yeah, we know he did. Yeah. We know he did. Yeah. Sending and, flowers you know, every single day. Yeah, he was yeah. really over the top. Yeah,
1: he's playing his, his guitar for her. He was. And you know what? That's okay. It that that's okay because that, that's what that's what men do. But he also embellishes things beyond embellish. Yeah. He 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 has likes to lie about things and he said he had a great income and he had all this and all he had was was a was, was, uh, um what do you call it? Security, uh, social injury, security. Oh, injury. disability. Yeah. Disability At that time, injury. he was
0: working, yeah, but yeah. It yeah, didn't last
1: long. Each job.
0: No, no, it. Really and I knew didn't. some
1: people that worked with him, and they said he was unbelievable. Yes. Yeah. He, he was. He would show up late, and then blame it on them instead of himself.
0: You know, I believe that. Yeah, yeah just yeah. from what I've experienced growing up with him and trying to deflect the blame that way.
1: Yeah. Um, and-
0: but yeah, I mean, all these horrible rumors about you aside, I think what really won me over because at first I was hesitant, right? Like, no,
1: no, I would want you to be, yeah.
0: Because yeah, of course I'm defensive over my siblings. Yes, of course yes. I am. Look at my entire podcast. Yes, I'm very defensive over my siblings. Hi. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think what really won me over, and it took some time, right? Because like,
1: oh no, yeah, <laughs> I could feel it, and I, and I knew that it was going to take time, and I didn't, yeah. and I didn't push it because. Uh I wanted you to find out on your own a little bit about me. And you know, if I was in prison, don't you think you could look that up and find out if I was in prison before? I've never been in prison. The only time I was ever arrested when Mike had me arrested.
0: Yeah. To be fair, I haven't <laughs> checked you, which yeah, yeah probably doesn't can, show a lot for yeah. my sleuthing skills, but uh, <laughs> no,
1: you can check. welcome me. to
0: my home. I haven't checked. You, it's you fine. You can
1: check me all you want. It's <laughs> fine. Uh, you know, I doubt if my wife would be with me the, that I'm married to right now if I was been in prison. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah, she's not the type. So well,
0: I don't you know. think people realize that we've gone on this journey together almost because you first came in my life through the Missing Alyssa podcast. You interviewed with her, um, you know, Otavia, and she reached out to me and said, I'm going to interview Alyssa's biological dad. And I was like, whoa, 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 lady, like, you don't know, you don't know what I've heard about him. Like, you know, I, I was pretty upset. I I was pretty upset. Yeah, I know you Um, are. Yeah. And and when I heard it, um, I didn't think that she was rough enough on you, to be honest. I was like, oh, she didn't ask the questions I would
1: have asked. She wouldn't have done that. She didn't know the questions. <laughs> that's yeah, the problem. Well, <laughs> well, here
0: I am. I mean, I don't feel like I'm being particularly tough on you, but that's because of what has transpired. You've really gained my trust after all this. You know, we... Like I said, you interviewed for the Missing Alyssa podcast, and then um, I was in a deal with a media company. Then we were possibly going to do this documentary, this whole thing, whatever. And I reached out to you, and I was like, hey, will you be involved in this? And you were like, absolutely, no problem. And then it kind of developed from there. Um, to where we're at. And right. I think we're in a much better spot now. And I think that's because of what we've kind of gone through in
1: terms of the police. Well, one thing is, is I think we've gone into similar situations where we've been frustrated, hurt, damaged, and we've both been there. You can't say anybody else can say that, right? but us too. Now the boys may be too. I don't know, but I definitely know that you being Alyssa's sister, she loved you and you loved her. So there's a lot of pain involved that you and I carry and we'll always carry. We'll never get over that. But the big thing here is, is that it started out where Sarah believed her father, which is what any young person would believe their father because he was he let her do everything and have everything. Yeah. But then if you read what he let Alyssa do and the way that things went in the household, uh, even with Barbara... Then you start to see what was going on there. And finally, Sarah realized that, what was going on. And she jumped ship. And she didn't jump ship too fast, though. She investigated it. She looked into things. She found out what was going on. And then I started to hear Sarah more and more. And I realized this girl is really on Alyssa's side. Because that's all it amounts to. It cannot be on my side. Right. She needs to be on Alyssa's side to get justice for Alyssa. We need to find out where she's buried, what he did. And so as she did, I started to realize I have compassion for Sarah. She seems like my daughter because I lost mine. And she was my, my daughter's sister. And they have Barbara's, she has Barbara's blood in her. And my daughter has Barbara's blood in her. And guess what? I started to love her and care about her.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that's really what won me over was the fact that you're here for Alyssa. And a lot of people that have been supportive of me my entire life are not here for Alyssa. Um, So that's really what it boils down to is like... I don't think if you had bad intentions or didn't care about Alyssa that you would be here because you're sticking your neck out. Not everything that's been said about you is wonderful. It's not like you come on here with, you know, the stellar story of look at me, look how sad I am. You know, you tell it like it is. And I really respect that. And like I said, the fact that you are fighting for Alyssa now. And like I said, I don't think people realize that we've kind of come together to speak to the police because – Um what they also don't realize is that at a certain point, you know, they start updating you and keeping me out of the loop. Like they're like, Okay, we're just gonna talk to this guy now. Forget about Sarah who's been here for like twenty years or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no. And and we were at a meeting October twenty nineteen, um, where you said to their faces, you said, Listen, you need to update Sarah before you update anybody else. You need to go through Sarah and stop going through me. Um, which is exactly what I told the police also, but they weren't as receptive to me as they were to you.
1: Yeah, but still they, they finally came around and started going through you because I got upset with them. And I yeah. also said that you knew more than I know about the whole story. And so I couldn't help Alyssa as like you could. Right. Like you, like you have. And so that was really, really important. And, you know, Karen and I came upon this, this thought process of, uh, listening to you on your podcasts on after we listened to all the things that were going on, we're like our, our head. Our brain turned around backwards. It was like we couldn't even comprehend all the things that have happened on the podcast that you say have happened because we are no, we weren't involved. We don't have access to all the paperwork and all that stuff. So we were like, Karen and I were like, wow, we feel so sorry for Sarah. Do you realize what she's been through in her life? We haven't even been through half of that. Yes, we'd have to mourn. We've had to mourn over Alyssa, but just the the mental abuse, everything that took place in life, because there's a certain amount of abuse when you neglect someone too and give them what they don't need as a parent.
0: Yeah, I mean, I still feel like I'm the lucky one, right? Yes. So it's hard for me to feel like a victim when no. we have Alyssa. But I certainly understand where that's you were manipulating
1: coming from. environment alone with Michael would have been hard to live with, because after a point you realized what he was doing to you, and and it, and it's horrible. Yeah, I
0: mean, yeah, it was certainly just the way I was raised and I could I could recognize it from a young age that he was lying to me and trying to manipulate me. And I think I just ignored it or oh, whatever. Well, yeah, of course
1: you did because you're a child and you're getting what you want. And that's pretty normal. Oh, exactly. Know? But then someday you grow up and if you really grow up and you become a real adult of your own, you realize you never want to do that to your own children and you never want that done to you. Yeah. And So it was, it's was not easy and we know it. And we see we didn't go through that. She had great parents, my wife Karen, and I had great parents. We never went through that kind of thing. Yeah, my dad would say to me, "Son, you gotta be careful when you do this or that." He wouldn't yell at me or beat me or, or manipulate me in any way. Yeah, and I grew up knowing not to manipulate my friends. That's why I never abused John. I never manipulated him. He was a sweet little boy. You didn't have to. Yeah, you know. And my my father loved John too. He knew John and took John places and did things with John too. And he called him grandpa. But anyway, do you have any more questions?
0: Well, yeah. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yes. Um, Well, so I wanted to discuss um, what you thought. So when you enter back in the picture, right, you're talking to police. So you're involved in the case now. Like, what is your theory on what happened to Alyssa? I'm sure everybody would like to know.
1: My theory is, and I don't know exactly, but, and you know what? I don't really base it on theory, uh, she was my daughter, so she's my blood, and I have a sense for this, that that she was abused. He was Michael was abusing my daughter, and she was 17 and getting ready to tell on him, and he did something to her. Yeah. What he did to her, where he put her, I don't know, and I will never know. But I sensed it that, that there was that, and Mike is guilty of that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, um, know, don't know what else to say about it.
0: You I know. know I, I do the same thing. Like, yeah. people want you to theorize all day about what happened you or where she is, and you can't. Number one,
1: you can't theorize because that's just speculation. Right. And it's not a home. <laughs> it's yeah. a real thing. And so you can't speculate about things. And I don't know. is not there. So I don't know. All I know is the way he lived his life and the things that he's done and said leads me to believe that he did something to her because she was going to tell on him. Right. And she did tell some people, and the police won't even take that.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So that leads me into the next discussion of the police. So you're involved now, right? And you have seen what the police say. You've said what they email. You've said that, you know, you've seen the discrepancies. Um, so I would love to know how you feel about that, because we're about to get into the podcast where it's all about the police and what they did and what they didn't do. Um, so you've seen it firsthand. What do you well, think about the police? I was willing doing to it? say
1: things to them that they, and they were willing to take it from me because I was a biological father. Right. So when I went to the police station and I said, you need to take care of this now because you didn't take care of it back in 2001. And they said, and they looked right at me and they said, you're right. We didn't. And so that's when detective, say their names
0: yeah yeah you can say you can say all their names okay.
1: detective anderson and detective Summershoe said they will not give up on this yeah but the police department lied to me and they separated them so that they couldn't work on this case anymore and then they kept putting in people who were let's say inadequate that's being very nice Yeah. To do the job and had no clue what the, what, whatever went on in 2001 and beyond. They didn't know. And so I know Sarah was lied to because I was lied to in small things. So they were lying to her in big things because she knew much more than I knew. And so I know they lied. I know that they're running scared and I think that they're afraid that we're going to sue them.
0: They should be. Yeah, you know, indeed. it's my understanding that we have all rights to sue. Absolutely. Yeah. For for a variety of reasons. For them not reasons. doing their
1: job, number one. And number two, for them to keep putting new people in position and then they have to review it and they don't even know the whole facts of the of the case and they come in and they're just dummies.
0: Yeah, I mean, in your experience, have any of the new detectives or agents or you know, because we get different commanders and sergeants and detectives and whatever, do any of the new people? Do you think that they're really briefed on the case? Because I don't, I don't think that anybody other than Summershoe. No, I I even
1: asked this latest one. What's her name?
0: Uh, Gilligan.
1: Gilligan. I even asked her if she knew about the case, and she didn't. Said she has never reviewed the case. Right. So she doesn't know either. She just what she does is she calls Summershoe up. And Anderson, and ask them questions about it instead of letting them take it over. Right. Which is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. But um, I don't have much faith in in the Phoenix Police Department anyway, because they've let a lot of things happen in this city and go unchecked. And their whole job is to seek justice for people. And I think there's times when they do it, if they got enough political pressure, and there's times when they don't do anything. Right. And I don't know that it's the detective so much as it is probably the management.
0: I agree. I think if it were up to Summershoe and Anderson, that yeah. this would have been prosecuted a very long time yeah. they ago. They did a
1: great job, Somershu and Anderson. And, and that's, that's, so my whole thing is, is that it's hard for Sarah and I to trust anything that goes on at any time when they say they're doing something. <laughs> we just sit back and wait and then we respond. I ask her what she's going to do. And she says, and will you do this? And that's what we do is respond that way because yeah. that way we're both on – they don't know, and they'll probably find out from this podcast, they don't know that, that we're in cahoots together.
0: Right, right. <laughs> they I don't, don't know yeah.
1: that we get along and we're we we, we there for one thing, justice for Alyssa.
0: Yeah. Well, because I fought it. I fought yeah. it when they yeah. were like, oh, we're updating him. I was like, absolutely not. You're not updating him. Like. Yeah. You know, I said, we don't know this person. He doesn't have legal rights. Like, why are you not updating me? I got really upset. That's where the whole trained detective thing came from is because when I complained, they said, ma'am, are you a trained detective? But are you a trained detective? Ma'am, are you a trained detective? Over and over again, um, which is why I have trained detective merch now because (laughs) I'm spiteful in that way. Um, But it's like a peaceful protest. You know what I mean? Like I feel that I am very respectful to them. And I, I think people don't realize that because I am so... Radical online and I speak very frankly about it I don't think they realize that when we're in a room together. I am. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am, but I also Stand up for that. You know what I mean? Um, I forget what they said in that last meeting I think it was something to the effect of like I always make sure you call back and I was like i've never gotten a single call from you. Mr. Chorus, you know with all due respect mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think people realize that I don't go in there like an insane person and yell at them that I, No, I'm... she
1: doesn't i've been in meetings with her, but but, <laughs> but my whole thing is this And I have this philosophy. And and when I have this philosophy, then it makes hard, it makes it hard for me to not say what's on my mind. And that is you can't fix stupid. And sometimes (laughs) they come in and they are so stupid and they don't have a clue on anything about Alyssa and her life and what happened, the whole thing. And then they expect us to believe them on stuff. How can we believe them when they don't even know what they're talking about?
0: Right. Well, and their intentions scare me, right? So you actually came down for this meeting. It was my birthday, October 15th, 2019. And you drove down from Washington for this meeting. You told them you were driving down. You know, my brother James called in. I was there. And we're like 15 minutes through it, right? And they're like explaining like, you know, the history of the legal system to us or whatever. Like they're going on and on and on about different procedures and And policies. And then at
1: 15 minutes, they decide... That, oh, we're done with the, with our interview. They only gave us a half hour.
0: Yeah. They go, oh, well, you know, you guys, we really got to get through your questions really quick now. After wasting literally, like, at least half of our time in that room by trying to explain policy and procedure, they then say, okay, well, we don't have a lot of time, but we're going to try to get through as many questions as possible. And then they were, like, kicking us out of the room. And I think we were all, like, even, you know, you're like, this is extremely disappointing. Like, this is oh, not no, okay. no,
1: I, I I went in their face. I mean, I told them. Yeah. I said, you know what? I'm appalled at what you guys are doing, giving us a half hour of your time. Right. It really blows me away that you do that. And I got a call back from uh, Westover. No, yeah, Westover. Yeah. Westover saying that he was so sorry and all this stuff, you know. And that's when I had. I told him, I said, uh, Chorus is not your man.
0: Yeah. Oh, he he he's awful. He made a mistake.
1: He wouldn't talk to anybody. He won't call anybody. He won't look you in the eye.
0: He took a phone call during our meeting. Yeah,
1: during our meeting, he took a phone call.
0: <laughs> during our very short, limited time, yeah. 30 minutes only, we yeah. have to get kicked out. And, like, and they kept saying, oh, well, the room's reserved, the room's reserved. I'm like, great, I'll talk to you next to the dumpsters. There's other rooms. I don't care. There's yes. other rooms. Trust me, I know. They're, they have a lot of interrogation yeah, rooms. Uh, I've been in a baloney. lot of them. That
1: was for them to get out of it and not uh-huh. have to talk, talk very long.
0: That's, that's what makes me not trust them. Yeah, I mean, me there's too. a lot. There's a lot, right? So like- I remember at one point you. I think you text me and you're like, "Oh, Westover said he called you." And I'm like, "Cool. I don't answer their calls anymore. Um, I only deal with them via writing. Uh-huh. I so I emailed him. I was like, "Got your call. What's up? You know what I mean? Like, cause I I won't speak to them over the phone yeah, so unless you I have, have it in a to text
1: or you or, or you or you do set something up on your phone where you can, uh, you know." You can listen in and, and have it on a recording.
0: Yeah, that's the point I'm at, or is yeah. where I really have to record it. Um, but yeah, I won't.
1: Because they'll say one thing and then they bring a new person and they say, oh, they never said that to you.
0: Right. Well, and, and even recently with the trained detective stuff, yeah. you know, I didn't record that, unfortunately. I was like on a break at work or whatever and returned the voicemail. And I was like, shit, this is exactly why I need to record everything or get everything yeah, in from writing. On,
1: you never stopped. You didn't, you didn't ever do it without a text or, a, or something in writing or email or, a, or a, you know, on the phone with a recording.
0: Yeah. Well, because they go back, yeah. they go back and forth, you know, and um yeah, I mean there there are some recent updates that we can't talk about, um, but there there's some movement, and I don't think people realize that. Yeah. You know, like I got a call from Anderson not to um not too long ago, and they want the home videos back, and I'm scared.
1: Are you gonna give them to them? I'm scared.
0: I don't know. I, I'm like I am happy to give them copies of it. <sighs> I am so hesitant to say no to them, which I've never said no to tell me any single you he- thing. Why
1: you're hesitant about? What did he say to you that made you hesitant?
0: Exactly. So Anderson says, you know, I, you know, I'm kind of in trouble. I wasn't supposed to give you back these home videos, you know, even though they're yours and I think you should have them, and I think that they're being silly. But will you give them back so we can make copies? Then we'll give them back to you. And he says one of the reasons is, you know, they're they're seeing these clips online. They're not happy about it, but they're afraid that you might tamper with the VHS tapes in order to fit your narrative, which... Wow. It scares me. It scares me because, one, I would obviously never do that. I don't even know how to tamper with a freaking VHS. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's ways, probably ways that they know about, right? But what
1: you should do is you should put them in a a box and say, I have them in a lockbox and tell them that Steve Strom has them. And then if they come after me, that's okay, and then we'll, we'll do something about it at that time.
0: Or, like, can I watch you, like take these tapes because my fear is that they're just going to say I tampered with them that they're going to tamper with them and say I did like which sounds like a crazy person but why even say that to me that they're afraid you know why because you've already
1: dealt with them and they haven't been truthful yeah when you deal with somebody they're not truthful just like Michael yeah you have a tendency to be that way you're not dumb you sense it yeah. We all have senses beyond what you think we do.
0: Right. Well, and I have lawyers I consult yeah. and things. Like, I'm not stupid. And yeah. so I ask them, you know, and they say, number one, you're never going to get those VHSs back. They are a thousand percent lying to you about that. You will never see those again. Yeah, they, so definitely make I copies. Think, I think they're right. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree I with that. think they're right. And it's like, I want them to have it if they need it, but... That comment about me tampering with it, you know, that scares me. And I feel like.
1: Yeah, calling you a (laughs) tamperer.
0: Exactly. Well, and if it comes down to it and we go go to court and they say, we can't move forward with this because the VHSs have obviously been tampered with. In front of a judge, they're not going to believe me. They're going to believe the police. If it becomes my word against them, I'm never going to win that. Um, but then, you know, it's I, I weigh, am I being uncooperative? Are they going to get a search warrant just and come take them back? I, I don't know, but I'm,
1: I think you I'm need, scared. I think you, first of all, you need to talk to answer Anderson a little bit more and find out more details. And if you have to make a copy and give them back the originals, as long as you got a copy of the way they were when you, and you have your attorney s- sign that, say that you, they're the way they were. You know what I mean? I don't think you're gonna have a problem.
0: Get some like third party to review yes. them first yes. and say that like these yes. copies match up or whatever. Yes. yes. It just, yeah. I mean, it freaks me out because they've reviewed all these. It's yeah. not as if they have not seen these home no, videos. I, they reviewed I, I, I don't all know of if there them. There might be
1: more to this than the, we think.
0: That's what I'm afraid of. I don't know, and it makes me feel like a crazy person because I want to trust the police, but they've given me almost no reason to trust them.
1: Now the only ones I trust is um, Anderson and. Summershoe.
0: Right. When it comes from Anderson, right, which he's not assigned to the case anymore. He's not a part of the case, well, not I'm just like Summershoe is.
1: pressure in him, see? And he has. So maybe he's going to do things that he wouldn't do normally. Right. If they're, if they're pressuring him. So I don't know. I call my attorney and I say, what do you think we should do? You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just so weird because they told us, like, you know, you can't really go through us anymore. You have to talk to this public relations person. Oh, yeah. But then out of the blue, I get a call from Anderson. And do
1: you think I once ever called their public relations person?
0: No, because I've done that in no. the past. And they say no, because they refuse to do all media. So I've dealt with their public people before. Uh, well, like,
1: I, what I mean is I, I call Westover or now I call Gilligan, yeah, yeah. And that's all I call. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I call no one. I email everyone and copy like yeah. the entire planet. I don't that know what else it's to all do. Covered. Yeah, exactly. That's and I idea. want that trail because who who can remember anyway when all this happens. Um but yeah, I'm excited because you're on Alyssa's side. You're a part of the fight and I think that it's been helping because I'm not this crazy person going in there alone screaming and ranting and raving about Alyssa. We have more people now. We you know, you and my brother James have been involved and now it's three full-grown adults saying, "Listen, this is what what's going on. This is what we know. What are you guys doing about it?" So I'm I'm confident. I think that there will be some movement in the future, and I think that they're at a point right now where it's sink or swim. They they have to say yes or no. They have to figure it out. Um, and I think we're we're getting closer. Hopefully, right? Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I did want to end on a positive note, which I said. I know I said in our notes, like positive note is talking about the podcast and you know where you where you think the case is going. Um, But I think we discussed that, right? Like you've listened to the podcast.
1: I still want to say say something uh, to end the whole situation. Was is that uh, I want to thank you for everything that you've done for Alyssa and the podcasts and everything that are there. And it's only fair that I say this is because I haven't done anything compared to what you have done. I love Alyssa and I miss her and I want that. But if you guys out there understand that Sarah is the one that does this all, she's the one that's out there. She's the one that does it. You know, she's the one that deserves all the credit. Uh, I try to help her in what I can and that's little because Sarah doesn't trust me. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't trust anybody, but the podcasts and the media outlets and, um, we just see your love for your sister, Alyssa, through that. Yeah. And the last thing that i like to see say is that I'd, I'd like all the listeners that they would to listen to a song by Cece Winans. It's called Alabaster Box. And I'm trying not to cry, but it reminds me of my baby girl. Thank you, everyone out there. And thank you, Sarah.
0: Next time on Voices for Justice. In August of 2009, Detective Anderson and Detective Summershoe interview my brother Rhett for the second time. And during the second round of questioning, he is much more forthcoming about what our father is really like and his thoughts on what happened to Alyssa. That report reads... On February 22, 2010, I received an email from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in reference to Alyssa's case. They sent a copy of the purported runaway note found in the home at the time of Alyssa's disappearance to John R. Schaefer, Ph.D., who conducted a statement analysis of the note. The following is his report. Well, what do you guys think? If I'm being completely honest, I still don't know what to think about what happened in the past with Steven Strom, but I am extremely grateful that he has chosen to be a part of the fight for justice for Alyssa, and I hope that this interview has given you all more insight into Alyssa's life and case. I would of course also like to extend a very, very special thank you to Steve and his wife Karen for coming on the podcast. Voices for Justice is hosted, produced, and edited by me, Sarah Turney. If you want to learn more about Alyssa's story and how you can help with the case, visit justiceforalyssa.com. And if you love the show, it would really help if you gave me a rating and review in your podcast player. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you next time.